Amen. God is good. He gives us opportunity to worship in his house, and we just want to thank him for all of his blessings, the, the chance to be here in his house. And at this time, children can be dismissed for Children's Church. So we've been looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made. And have you ever even stopped to, to think just about how wonderful it is that Jesus, that our Lord would tell us who he is? Isn't that in itself a miracle that he wants us to come to a knowledge of him and to know him? And last week we looked at uh, Jesus is the bread of life. And you know, when Jesus tells us about who he is, you'll notice that there's a pattern to it. And the pattern is that, first of all, there is an enormous problem that what Jesus says about who he is, is solving. So the problem that Jesus was solving, we looked at last week, was our hunger, our spiritual uh, need for nourishment and sustenance and that the only thing that can satisfy that is the breath of life. Jesus is the answer to the hunger that we're born with. This week we want to look at a different problem. As we saw last week when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he used that occasion to make that great statement, we find that Jesus is an expert teacher and in the context of what he's telling us, he gives us a much larger uh, framework that we can see. So we see the seven I am's of Jesus. We saw uh, I am the bread of life and we're moving around the clock to I am the light of the world. So if you want to go ahead and be finding that in your scripture, that's in John. And we're going to look in chapter 9 because that's the object lesson. Jesus brings it all home to us. Spiritual darkness. So let's go, let's see, does the previous slide show our outline? Or did it? We want to mention about light. What is the big deal about light? Why is it so important? Science tells us that if the sun, God forbid, were to quit shining, that within a couple short weeks, all life that we know of on earth would be over. You see, light is much more than just uh, a means to see something. Light is ne necessary for life. Without light, plants could not grow. Without the light and warmth from the sun, we would freeze to death. Without light, even the weather, the wind that, that we're uh, accustomed to, that, that, that takes place on this planet, would not function. And Jesus, as the light, in John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And just like we see in Genesis the very first thing that the Word of God created in, in, in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. So it is the light that is important for us this morning. 
Let's look at our scripture. In John chapter 9 and verse 1, and if you're able or would like to stand, let's do so to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read the first uh, 12 verses and then we'll skip to the end of the chapter. And it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it is like, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Now let's skip and we'll look all the way down to verse 38. Jesus heals the man and he has an encounter with the Pharisees. They cast him out of the synagogue and Jesus finds him. Verse 38, Jesus is explaining himself to him and he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, We see your guilt remains. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. And let's pray before we commence. Lord, Father, we thank you for your word and your holiness. And I pray at this time, Lord... Indeed, Father, shine the light of your gospel message upon us. Lord, give me the words to speak, open our ears to hear. Bless us, Father, that we will be illuminated in the light of your countenance and that we also would be lights in this world, even as Christ commanded. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The light of the world. I want to look at three things that take place in this story of Jesus who announces that he is the light of the world and in the process is bringing light to the eyes of a blind man. It is a very wonderful miracle. And I indeed cheer for this poor man who was born blind, right? But this story is much more than just the healing of one man. This story, I want us all to find ourselves in it because that blind man, and this account, that's us. That's me, that's you. That story, that blind man, is a picture of where we are. We start out born blind, and then we are sent to see, and then there is the victorious vision that Jesus gives us, and we want to follow those. 
But let's go back. We're going to start with born blind. Born blind. Now, imagine this predicament, if you will. Here the disciples, it says, they're, they're passing by. They see a man who's born blind from birth. Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine what it would be like to have never seen a single thing in your whole entire life? You never saw your mother's face. You never saw a sunrise or sunset. You never saw a flower, a cloud, or anything to be born blind. It is such a horrible condition. And here this man is afflicted with blindness, and he is limited in what he can do. He is relegated to being a beggar. His situation is so pathetic and so pitiful as the disciples pass by, they ask Jesus, Lord, look at this poor fool, if you will. Whose fault is it that he's in such a terrible shape? Did he commit some awful sin so that God had him be born where he couldn't see? Maybe his parents sinned and that brought this this horrible judgment upon him. Oh, but church, I'm telling you today that we are likewise born spiritually blind. We are in every bit as pathetic and pitiable and sorry a state as that man was in, and we can't do anything about it. Born blind. And what are we going to do? Can we take some action? And I'll tell you that the world has some self-help methods, things that they will suggest that you can do to cure your blindness. When you apply it to the spiritual state that you were born in, you will find it makes absolutely no sense. So the first thing we might do, if you tell me I am spiritually born blind like that man, and I can't see, well, what can I do? Well, maybe I can just ignore the problem. After all, I've never seen, what do I know about vision? I've never laid eyes on anything, you know, I don't even know what I'm missing. Maybe it is just, you know, you Christians are talking about there being a thing called spiritual sight that Jesus gives, that he opens our eyes, and you say, I was blind, but now I see. But being born blind, what does that mean? Oh, but it means so much. Well, I ask myself, why can't I see? I think this man's problem is he's blindfolded. But what's our problem? Why can't we see? Why don't we have spiritual eyes? Why don't we have the ability to see? Well, maybe, maybe we just need to wait for daylight. That's what it is. We're missing the light, right? So we can't see. And sure enough, if you've gotten up, towards dawn and you can't see anything and then the sun begins to come up and then lo and behold you see. And there are a lot of people who are spiritually blind who think it's simply because they're waiting for light to arrive. They're waiting on becoming enlightened. 
And there are religions that try to teach you how you bring light to yourself and how you can become enlightened. And it is like the blind man who is waiting for dawn, not really understanding what dawn is, but it will never come. And you can wait your entire life and you will never get any better and you will never suddenly start seeing on your own because the problem's not that there isn't light. This poor blind man had plenty of light. The sun was at full strength when Jesus and the disciples walked by. Birds were flying in the air and all of God's beauty was on display, but he could not see it. And it wasn't because that it wasn't light. And today God is shining his mercy and truth and he has always done this. He's always brought his uh, truth to us, right? God is making himself known. He's proclaiming it in the highest heavens. But yet, for some reason, we are born in a state that we simply cannot see it. But the light is there. God's mercy is all around us, but there are people who cannot experience it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. They don't know that there is a loving God there to forgive them. They have eyes, Jesus said, but they, their eyes simply don't work, spiritually speaking. What can be done? Well, let's think practically. If I'm blind, the biggest impediment is I can't get around because I don't know where I'm going. Oh, how many people are stumbling around in life today because they're blind? They don't know where they're going. So they'll turn to any number of things thinking that this is going to lead them. Maybe even somebody is kind enough to grab their hand and say, listen, poor person, I see that you're blind. Allow me to guide you. Well and good, assuming that that person can see. Jesus said that the Pharisees were the blind leading the blind. Oh, they thought they were qualified to grab you by the hand and tell you where you needed to go, but unfortunately they lacked the basic spiritual sight. And so there stood Jesus, the Son of God, right in front of them, and they could not bring themselves to acknowledge him. And then we say, well, blind person, maybe you just need to open your eyes. Maybe you just need to, you know, you're, you've got your eyes shut, just open your eyes and you'll see. Oh, that's so simple. And so many other religions out there are all about telling you how you open your eyes. As if you could decide of your own power and your own volition and your own ability that now I am going to declare that I am no longer blind. And I'm just going to open my eyes and suddenly truth is going to become apparent to me. And this poor man could open his eyes day in and day out and what would happen? Not a thing. You see, he just couldn't see. And now here is Jesus. And Jesus, the very Son of God, is standing before him. Let's look at next. 
he sent to see. Well, incidentally, why is, why are we blind? I'll tell you why. It's because 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, Satan has blinded our eyes. Sin has hidden God from us. And now, in front of this man, had no idea that standing in front of them and, and, and discussing his case as if he couldn't hear them talking was Jesus Christ, Lord of the universe, looking down at him, right? Jesus can't get any closer to this man than he is. And this man still cannot see the light has been brought into the closest proximity possible. And this man cannot see him. And if nothing changes, he's never going to see him. And Jesus walks right by people. He comes into contact and with conviction, and yet people just can't see and this is where we get to the next point, which is sent to see. Because Jesus sees that here is a man who is not only physically blind, he's also spiritually blind. And Jesus is going to open his physical eyes, and he is going to open his spiritual eyes. How on earth is Jesus going to accomplish this great miracle? And, 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 and to me, this is so wonderful. Jesus could have simply said, I declare you are able to see. And that man, his, his eyes would have opened. But he didn't do that. He did something that seems to us, well, kind of gross and stupid. Just in, in, in terms of human knowledge, how could this work? Jesus actually spits on the dirt and makes clay. And he takes that and he plasters it on the man's eyes. And says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. What? That's not an orthodox approach. But you know, the gospel is just like that. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I guarantee you all those Pharisees who were watching were like, Ick, what is he doing? How is that going to help? But you know, one time Jesus played in the mud before that. In a place called Eden, Jesus got his hands wet and he got some clay and he started molding it and he started making it and he made a living human being named Adam and breathed in him the breath of life. And Jesus is simply working in the same medium once again. 
with plain old dirt. Plasters it on his eyes. Doesn't that take faith? Doesn't that take obedience? To go to that pool and to wash eyes that have been covered in this unorthodox mud. But he was sent. The name of the pool means sent. And sent he went. He obeyed. And what happens when we believe Jesus Christ and obey? What happens? He came back a little bit different than when he went. Now he can see. Do you think he remembered this day? Do you think he remembered as he washed his eyes and, and the unusual sensation of actually seeing the difference between light and darkness and he washes again and he sees people and he sees the water and he sees his own hands for the first time? Because Jesus brought light to his eyes. Because Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus is such a light of the world not only does he simply shine, any light can do that. Jesus can shine to where even the blind can be made to see. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he is the creator, he is the source of all light, he is the source of all knowledge and all power, and he declares, and how did he even bring light into existence to begin with? He spoke it into existence and said, let there be light. And don't you think a God who can do that can open the eyes of a man, of a man who was born blind? Why, yes, he can. We saw in the previous verse from 2 Corinthians 4 and 3 how the devil has blinded, the, the God of this world, he's called, has blinded the eyes of unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of the Christ. You see, that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to see. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is much more powerful than the devil. And when he declares it, we can see. And 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So what does he say? It is the power of God. He is the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is so much the light that no darkness can overcome it. Just like Jesus can feed us because he's the bread of life, we'll never hunger again. And Jesus is the light of this world and he shines and he illuminates because you know what? He takes that blindness off of our eyes and gives us the ability to see if we will obey. If we will follow, just like this poor blind man, So he was sent to see. And you know what? 
something amazing happens. In fact, it was such an amazing transformation that they didn't recognize who he was. He went a blind man. He came back seeing. He went a beggar. He came back someone who had been touched by the almighty hand of God. Had never attended school, but yet he proceeded to school the Pharisees simply with the knowledge of what Jesus had done. I was blind, but now I see. You see, church, we all have that testimony if we are believers. And you know what? We ought to be different. If that blind man had came back like this, wandering and stumbling and falling and unable to see, I would say, well, he didn't follow Jesus' commandment. He's still blind. There ought to be in our lives just as drastic a transformation as there was in this blind man's life. People ought to look at us and see something different. Because let me tell you something about the light. That light has a dual nature. In verse 38, here in chapter 9 of John, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. This is the victorious vision that Jesus gives us. But think about this a minute. There is no greater light than the light we see when we obey Christ, repent of our sins and come to him and, and professing our need for him. There is no greater darkness that comes than when we refuse. And Jesus said, I've come for judgment. And he pronounced the Pharisees for all of their education, for all their supposed knowledge of the scriptures, were blind still. I'm reminded of when the Israelites came out of Egypt, triumphant after the Lord had spared them in the Passover, had smote the, army, the, smote the uh, firstborn of Egypt. Then Pharaoh had second thoughts, and he said, you know what? We're letting our slaves get away, so he sent his army out after them. And the scripture says that as Pharaoh's armies began to approach, the angel of the Lord that was going in front of the Israelites to lead them, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, visible, came around to the back and obscured the Egyptians from the Israelites and it said from the Egyptians perspective it was darkness in fact the plague before the plague of the death of the firstborn was a darkness that covered the land of Egypt to the point you could feel it but there was light in the habitations of the Hebrews our victorious vision 
It is that Jesus is the light of the world. It is that Jesus has brought us that incredible sight, if we will accept it. He wants us to partake of that. What does that mean for us? We've received our sight. We've had this miracle of spiritual healing. Now we can see, you know, Jesus has made himself apparent to us. What happens to us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5 and 14, he says this, talking to his disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and he turns right around and he looks at his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. How can that be? If we have Christ living inside of us, right? If Jesus is occupying us, if he's motivating us, then we are the light of the world. The gospel light. Paul says you, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Lord has put the light within us. We ought to be different people. We're not blind anymore if we've accepted him. He's shown his light into our lives. But you don't. You don't put a lamp under a container and hide it in a corner. You, that's not what it's supposed to do. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus appears to John the Revelator, the vision of Jesus is he's walking amongst the candlesticks or the lanterns because th those are the churches that give out light. That's what Hillside needs to be. That's what we need to be. Have you received your sight this morning? Have you put your confidence and trust in Jesus, the light of the world, and said, Lord, I'm just groping around blind without you? Or are you still in that place saying, I don't even know what this light is? Jesus didn't let the poor blind man persist in his darkness, but he brought him to light. Not only light to his eyes, but by the time Jesus got done with that man, he not only knew that Jesus was some sort of incredible prophet, he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And the Pharisees could not shake his faith. They ostracized him, they threw him out of the synagogue. Jesus came and found him. Let's let our light shine. Let's receive that blessed light from him. 
As our musicians come, we'll have a time of invitation. The Lord is moving upon your hearts. I invite that you respond to that today. If he's calling you to salvation, to membership here at Hillside, or simply there's an area in your life that you think has been hidden, but you realize now that the Lord, he's shining his light on that right now, then by all means, let's deal with that. Let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, just thank you so much. Father, pray your spirit would have freedom in this place. Move on every heart. Enlighten every eyes, Lord, that, that we would see. Help us, Lord, that, that we won't be content just to glory and receiving sight from Christ, but, Lord, that we in turn will, will bring light to others through that same gospel light that Jesus provided. Bless us now, Lord, as we go into our, our time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.